Welcome, Carrie Gutierrez, to the throne room. Welcome. Thank you for the invite. She is the church camp best hiker, the 2011 Manga Salsa. Mango. like Mango. The, mango, like the fruit. Mango, mango. Salsa award-winning champion. And then you just happen to be a two-time, you know, diamond-winning real estate agent, top 1% agents in Mesa. I mean, little accolades here and there. A few things. How are you doing this morning? I'm excellent. So the first question I have for you is how did you get from Carrie 15, 20 years ago to now being one of the top real estate agents in the Valley? Mm, It's a long and winding tale, let me tell you. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Might be a three-hour tour. Uh, When did I get licensed, Stoney? 2003. I started working with you in 2013. 2003, so it's been almost actually 20 years that I've been in real estate. So um, I moved here from the Midwest just before then, so the late 90s when my first child was born and I was looking for something to do that didn't require me to be nine to five, uh, that could make a decent amount of money for my expenditure of time away from my family. And I had several people be, say to me like, hmm, I think you'd be a good real estate agent. And I said, huh, all right, well, let me think about that. And that was kind of what started the journey. Um, I think it probably came into my conscious in the late 90s, actually, when I was pre-motherhood. Um, and then it just kind of got confirmed through a, several different events. So that was the beginning, the ver- the genesis. Okay. So 20 years now. Yeah. Um, have you had any struggles along the way? There's been a few. There's been a few. So, of course, um, balancing life and career, uh, or you know, family and career is always a struggle for women. Probably for men too, but I don't know that because I'm not a man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there's been a few things. Initially, I tried to, you know, marry my experiences from other lines of work uh, and bring the best of those things into a place where I could help my clients uh, see what it was that they were uh, looking for, trying to help them uh, look for the properties that most met their needs. And then also um, help my sellers see how to best present their property. What were the two previous professions that you were combining your talents so, from? So two, so a couple of things. So um, in the '90s, I worked for a university and I took care of their student records to prep them, make sure they had all their prerequisites for the um, degree major that they were going into. That was a school of nursing there. So they had to do all the, you know, physiology and biology and biochem and all those things and make sure that they had done all the, checked all those boxes before they could do their clinicals. And then just uh, immediately prior to um, joining real estate, I was a stay-at-home mom. So all the uh, caring and nurturing of emotions and managing that for littles, which on, uh, if I'm super honest, doesn't change very much when you get older. You still have a lot of emotions to manage. So you're saying all those people buying and selling houses are pretty much just little kids <laughs> who need it, their heads held. It kind of feels like that sometimes. Like you need to, you need someone to hold your hand when you're going through uh, an experience that you haven't been through before. When has there been a real estate transaction in your recent past that has really challenged you? 
uh, had a family of nine. There were seven children and, a, and um, worked with mom primarily because dad was at work most of the time. And so uh, they were trying to buy a house here in Mesa and finding a property that was large enough for all of them was challenge number one. We had a few, you know, decent amount of properties to look at for them. Um, they were at a price point that would accommodate that. But honestly, the biggest challenge, one of the, one of the challenges for them was scheduling because you can imagine a mom of seven negotiating on her side all of those schedules uh, and getting into properties at a time that worked for all of them was a challenge. Uh, they had a couple of financing challenges along the way. So we found the perfect house. We did all of our inspections. We uh, were right up to the place where they were ready to close. Uh, and there was a job shift that made financing uh, not work at that moment. So then we kind of went back to the drawing board with that seller. We were able to hold the deal together, but we put in place a, um, a lease with a purchase at the end of that year. So we were able to, we were able to accomplish that before the year was over, but in order, but negotiated with that seller that they would have that time. So I want to know something personal. Yes. Like, for you personally, what has been the hardest thing about real estate? You've mentioned schedules. Mm -hmm. Real estate agents, as far as I'm concerned, work bankers' hours. Only we don't. Only, <laughs> <laughs> Only I've never had bankers' hours. Uh, so if you ask my youngest daughter, that has been the greatest struggle is that she felt like I was gone way too much in her junior high school years, which... You know, maybe I was. I don't know that I could have been gone any less were I working a different job or had a different career path at that point. Um, I chose real estate specifically so that I could choose uh, I could choose my hours, <clears throat> but they didn't always equate to a nine to five. So I could pick her up from school every day. I could be at um, horseback riding lessons and dance lessons and recitals and things like that. But it all also meant that I worked weekends and I worked evenings. So if you were going to recommend this profession to your daughter, um, what would you tell her? What would you advise her? Scheduling advice would be to put it in the calendar as these are work hours and these are non-work hours. You do have to schedule in time that you're not going to work. Otherwise, it is possible to work all the time. Uh, and I found that to be true early on. So then I would have to protect the times that I knew I didn't want to work, such as horseback riding lessons or you know, whatever kind of events that my girls had going on. So one of the reservations that I've always had with working with young real estate agents is how can a young person be informed enough to educate me on the biggest financial purchase of my life, really? Mm -hmm. um, so how... As a young agent, when you started really young, how were you able to earn the respect of the people you're working with? A lot of times it was over-preparing, asking a lot of questions of somebody who'd been in the business longer than I had, um, research, you know, data points, those kinds of things, so that I, and, and understand them well enough that I could articulate them to a client when I'm sitting in front of them. Um, that was my strategy. 
maybe that's a middle child thing, right? Over prepare for all the things. I don't, you know, I don't like to be caught off guard with anything. So, um, but I think that is a good strategy, especially when you're young. There's there's a confidence factor. If you believe that you can do it, then you're going to convey confidence to your client. Um, if you don't believe that you can do it, then they're not going to believe it either. Like you have to believe it in yourself first. Can you uh, fake it till you make it? I mean, to an extent, maybe, but you do have to know the information that you're presenting. So if you're uncomfortable with that, well, number one, it's study and learn all the things really is what it, what it comes down to initially. Uh, and partner with somebody who you can <clears throat> ask questions of when you don't know the answer. So you never want to provide false information, but if you are unsure, I think a good response is, that is a great question. I'm going to research it and I'll get back to you. So you recently just received the Diamond Award, which is the top 5% of agents in your brokerage. Uh, you've also received accolades from the magazine here in Mesa as being one of the top one percenters. Now that you've reached this point in your career, you're respected, you're renowned, you're, you're doing really, really well. Congratulations, by Thank the way. Thank you. Uh, what's next for you? I think passing on the knowledge that I have to younger agents. Um, I am part of a team, and so some of that is masterminding. It's with a lot of newer agents, so I enjoy that. I enjoy the teaching aspect of it. Um, so that could be the next logical step for me is to mentor other agents, start kind of a micro team. I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want one of those jumbo teams. We, we've touched on time has reached has reaching this level of success given you more time or is it still taking more time away from you through the last uh you know 20 years of real estate i've been able to develop processes that help me shorten the amount of time that i'm spending on every transaction so it's a little more it's more seamless i'm not i don't forget things it's not a one off here and there there's an actual process to doing a listing or staging a house or taking a buyer on tours so that buys back time when you have a system and a process. I don't have children at home anymore, so there is the opportunity for me to work different hours, which is nice. I can form my career more around, um, you know, maybe more banker's hours. I still do weekends <laughs> and evenings as necessary, but there are fewer weekends and evenings that are necessary. Okay, so with, with this extra time that you have, what what makes Carrie tick? What what do you do for fun? Like what what are you working for? Oh gosh. Well, I just spent a week on a tropical island in the Caribbean and it was fantastic. And I have to do that again. So And again. Is, and again and, and again. again and again. I just sent a, an article. I was there with my brother and his family and I just sent him an article yesterday that I read about um being in nature is good for your mental health. And it's like scientifically scientifically proven. So I said, it's the scientific proof that we need to spend more time on tropical islands, right? I wouldn't complain. That's what, at that's all. What, that's where I'm at. <laughs> Do you prefer the tropical island or the pine trees up in the cabin, mountain, woods? You know, both are amazing. Um, travel for me is an opportunity to disconnect from all the things like, you know, the phone and the computer and the all the TV. Like, I don't want any of that with me when I'm on vacation. Uh, 
but the primary impetus is to spend time with people that I like without the things, right? Without the screens in front of us. Oh, anything, anything without a cell phone is amazing. So you, you just went to which, which island did you go to? Bonaire. It's the Dutch Caribbean, just right north of Venezuela, South Caribbean. Whoa. And I came back with rum so I could be a pirate. What? <laughs> so, so, so you like going to islands because of the rum. Uh, yeah. Well, I feel like if you're going to be in the Caribbean, there should be rum involved. Uh, that's right? fair. It feels that's like fair. that's how it should go down. Like if you're in Mexico, there must be tequila involved. Those are stereotypes. <laughs> but I don't know that I've ever gone to Mexico and not, and not had the had, worm. Right? Exactly. This is, this is what we do. So what did you do in Bonaire? So Bonaire was more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. For probably, we had a, a, a whole house. We had rented a VRBO, and it was right on the water, which was fabulous. Like everybody needs sitting right on the water for half of a day for part of their vacation. Like that should happen. Um but we also did uh, scoop, uh, what do you call it? The snorkeling? Snorkeling. I didn't go like all the way into the water, so snorkeling. Uh, saw all kinds of fun dories and corals and eels. And um, uh, my niece saw a little baby octopus. She was super excited about that. I didn't see that. It was too small for me to see, I guess. I don't know. There was salt water in my eyes and, you know, <laughs> I asked my brother because he's a, he's a master scuba diver. I'm like, do you ever get, like, how do you keep the water from getting in your eyes? He's like, yeah, that's just part of the thing. That's just how it is. <laughs> I'm like, mm, I don't know if I like that plan. But um, we we um, also took a tour kind of like north and circled around the island. That way they have a distillery and they actually make their own liqueur out of like a, a cactus that grows on the island. It was interesting. Uh, and they and they make rum. They make a bunch of different varieties of rum right there at the, yeah, right there on the island. And sadly, uh, the bottle I brought back with me is mostly gone and they do not ship to the United States. So I'm going to have to go back. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back to the island to get more rum, which is why I'm going to continue selling real estate, Stoney. Honestly, like at this point in my life, it kind of fuels my fun, it pays for my family and fuels my fun. Any any other islands on the to-do list? All, all of the islands. Uh, my son-in-law is from uh, Puerto Rico, so I think I probably should go there at some point. That is something that I'm considering. Like, I need to figure out how to sell real estate internationally. I made a couple of connections when I was in Bonaire. So now I need to go with my son-in-law to Puerto Rico and find someone to connect with there. Got it. So anyone out of the country who knows about buying and selling foreign real estate, preferably on the water. Yeah, water would be good. Re reach out. We, we've got a buyer. Or anything in a wine region. Weren't you just in Napa Valley? In April. Mm -hmm. In April? Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. I saw the cutest little house. It was about, hmm, I don't know if it was 600 square feet. I'd be surprised looking at it from the front. And so I, of course, pulled up my realtor.com app to see what it cost. $500,000. <laughs> like, what? Right around the corner, there was a, a two-story with a garage, and it was 2,600 square feet for $2.4 million. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you do like to travel? I do enjoy it. 
good. I feel like variety is the spice of life. There's so, I mean, I've been in the desert for a long time, 20 plus years, probably probably close to 30. If I, because I my family came here in the 80s, and then I left for a bit, and then I came back. So it's been a long time. One of the things that I happen to know about you is that you are one step under being like a sommelier when it comes to wine. Is this true? <laughs> mm, I'm a wine enthusiast. Or I think that's probably as high as we want to go. Okay. So <laughs> so not quite wine scientist, Mm-mm. just wine enthusiast. Mm-hmm. So I brought you something. So we were in a... I don't know what it was. What, what kind of store is that where they, they sell fancy stuff, like some fancy wines and such? A wine store? <laughs> <laughs> well, we were, A fancy store? We were, we were walking down, and you, you pointed at one of these bottles of wine. You go, ooh, that one's really nice. Oh, yeah. Well, I remembered. It was this one. Aw, my very first love. Well, it wasn't 2020, but it was this, this wine. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me about it. Oh, okay. So I don't, it's been a while since I've had this one, <clears throat> but I remember it being just very nice and it was a very light uh, red and it went really well with all the things I was eating. <laughs> That's what I remember. It was good. It was a good sipper with a movie at, at late at night when my girls were little. Do you know how to taste wine, Stoney? I do not actually. All right. So let's. let's well, talk. I mean, I guess I do. I just drink it. <laughs> <laughs> drink, no, how to taste wine, not how to drink Oh, not yeah, no. Wine. I, I do not know how to taste wine. I just drink it. Okay, so I just kind of glugged that in there because we don't have an aerator. That's one of the things that you can do to wine to change the flavor profile. Okay. Uh, it kind of opens it up. Red wine is very usually very dense and complex, and you want to get a bunch of air bubbles in there. So you can do the whole spinny thing. So you're spinning it to get air bubbles in it. Yeah, to get to have air pass over the surface of the wine so then it uh, infuses oxygen into the wine itself. Now, All right. Should we chug it? So here, no, we're not chugging. <laughs> we're going to taste it. Here, cheers. Oops. Hey, cheers. Okay. So first you're going to smell it. It's kind of earthy, like tobacco-y to me. So you're going to look, you're going to smell it. You're going to look at it. So you can see, you can kind of tell the body of your wine based on how it sticks to your glass. Things you can say about a wine and about your wife. Nice legs, babe. <laughs> oh, cheesy wine jokes. Okay, uh, and then you're gonna and then you're gonna sif, you're gonna sip it. Is this where you're gonna make the noise like the? You can. So always the first. <laughs> Is that better for you? I think it went in my nose. <laughs> okay, so actually that, you know, eighty percent of taste is your smell. So sometimes when you're tasting, if you swallow and then you exhale through your nose, close your mouth, exhale through your nose, you kind of get different notes of what you're tasting. That's weird. Right? This one's nice. It's like not super heavy, but it's nice, like acidic, a little bit of like, it's bright, bright on my tongue. Part of a, like a wine group where... You and some people get together on a regular basis and basically you each bring something and you talk about it. I mean, that's kind of a just a typical Friday night, but <laughs> but uh, yes. Yeah, so a um, couple years ago, I joined a group of ladies who uh, it's part of a direct selling wine company. 
uh, and we do host parties and we taste a bunch of wines together and talk about how to pair them with foods and how to store them. And So if I wanted to pretend like I knew what I was talking about, mm -hmm. what sort of lingo is attached to these nice legs? Yeah, so... We, we call them teardrops or we call them legs coming down from the top of the wine glass there. It tells you about the body of the wine. So if they come down super fast, it's a, it's a light-bodied wine. If they come down super slow, then you know it is a medium or full-bodied wine. So what is this one? Medium to light. Yeah. So on some a, runny legs. Kind of on a scale from, you know, skim milk to cream. Kind of in there, if you think about it like that. I had no idea this was a thing. Yeah. So you can talk about the nose, so you smell it. So it has a nose of blackberry and tobacco, right? And then you take the sip, and then you take you talk about, does it sip differently than it smelled? And then it'll change over time. If you let this sit out for an hour, and then you go back and sip it, it'll taste different because you have different aeration. You have more oxygen in the wine. So then the molecules have opened up and spread, you know, gotten oxygen in there, and then it tastes different. All the things. Mm, so good. You want to play a game? Yes. Okay. This is called the cork game. And we're going to drop the cork and see if we can get it to land on the end. And whoever gets it to land on the end first wins. Like, drop and stay. Okay. So You got you to drop it and have it stay. What? So it's going to go I think boing. Probably, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, close, close. You ever wanted to know how to make a podcast an hour long? <laughs> oh, what? We got that on film, right? <laughs> Did we get that on film? Cheers. Victory. The cork game winner. <laughs> well, Carrie, you are an incredibly successful woman, wonderful mother. Um, I've learned so much about wine. Um, you have taught me years and years about real estate. Um, we're going to put your information at the bottom so anyone who would like to get a hold of you, can get a hold of you and, and learn more about islands, wines, real estate. Rum. 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 Who knew? I can give good recs on rum right now. There you go. Because it's fresh in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully it's fresh in your bloodstream. Congratulations <laughs> on being a double diamond winner. Thank you. I know that it takes years of hard work uh, to get here. It's been a great journey, honestly. Is there anything else you would like your friends and family and future friends and family to know? The re I think the main reason I continue in real estate, because it has its challenges, uh, is really the people that I meet along the way that I would never have met in some other profession. You know, there's been a few points in my career that have been a struggle and that were super challenging. And I'm thinking, you know, should, the, should I even be doing this? Should I go back to a nine to five banker's hours, something? Uh, and then there's always a client that comes along that is just becomes near and dear to my heart. And they we become besties and we drink wine together. And <laughs> um and it really redeems the whole season for me when I can make those heart connections with clients. So uh, that is one of the greatest impetuses behind my continued success, I think, is the connections that I make and making friends along the way. Well, I'll, I'll toast to that. Yeah. So Woo. to friends, to family. That is kind of special. Oh, that's a beer commercial. 
That works too. 